Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are truly awesome that you're a wonderful and magnificent God. That we have life in you. Life abundance. Life that overwhelms. That you empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray this morning more of your Holy Spirit. More of you in this place. Let your words have life. Let us not walk out of here the same. More of you. More of you. Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about the power of connection this morning. And connect is powerful. You know, as, as a church, we have a, a real twofold approach. And we hold them both equally. And one is our Sunday service, which is where you are right now. Except for all those in the podcast, I want to ask why you're not here, but that's all right. <laughs> But equal with that in our approach to meeting together and connecting with each other is our connect groups during the week. And I don't see them as lower than what we do here on a Sunday. In some ways, they can be even more important. Because that's, that's where life comes in. It's where, before I get to preach my sermon, we'll, we'll talk about why it's important in a minute. But I really want you to understand that we see it as, as equal as a Sunday service, as vitally as important. Let's read from Ezekiel 47, and uh, he has, Ezekiel has this amazing vision. And I'm going to read a fair bit, so just work with me through it, but it's a nice story, so it's all right. So Ezekiel is having this vision, he says in verse 1, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So he's in heaven having this vision. And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the front of the temple faced east. Maybe we need to turn our church around because we face west. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me up by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. And again he measured out 1,000, and he brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I couldn't cross. For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows through the eastern region, going down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There'll be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there. 
for they will be healed and everything will live forever, live wherever, sorry, the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi to En Eglaim. Say that five times fast. There will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Now that's a great big story, isn't it? Having this amazing vision about this river that flows from the temple. It's got this lovely water in it. Gets a bit wet. Gets a whole lot more wet. Gets just about completely wet. Then he looks at some trees. There's some fish. And we get to the end of the story. So what's it all mean? What's, what's Ezekiel talking about? When he's talking about the temple, the temple represents where God resides. So it's a representation of God. And if you go to Revelation, Revelation tells a very, very similar story to what Ezekiel tells. Except the temple is replaced by the throne of God. Anywhere God resides... Is he simple? Does God reside inside you? So Paul tells us that you are a temple. Your body is a temple. Now you thought it was good looking before, didn't you? (laughs) Now you're a real temple. You know, you can walk down the street going, my body's a temple. God resides here. So you have this river that flows from God. What is the river that flows from God? It's the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that lives inside our temple, isn't he? So Ezekiel is walking into a river of Holy Spirit. Jesus said in the New Testament, he says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink, and I will give you, what? Rivers of living water. And it goes on to say, he was talking about Holy Spirit. So there is this life-giving, powerful River that flows from heaven into your life. And you just need to wade into it to experience it. It's our connection with God. We connect through Holy Spirit. The Father doesn't reside on earth. Jesus doesn't reside on earth. He went back up. He said, I'm going. Why? So you can have Holy Spirit. But the amazing thing is when we have Holy Spirit, we have the Father and we have Jesus because they're all one. 
So you have Almighty God residing inside you, you awesome-looking temples. But what's the point of having Holy Spirit inside us? Why do we have Holy Spirit? I mean, obviously, if you take this, he is flowing direct from the throne of heaven straight into our lives. But why? What's the point? It's a massive point. It's a life-changing point. Let's have a look in your Bible. Verse 8. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. When the Holy Spirit touches your life, he brings healing. Physical, emotional, spiritual. Complete healing. Complete wholeness. If there are areas in your, your temple that aren't right then let more of Holy Spirit in. Holy Spirit is in your life, not so you can just say, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. That's a byproduct. You don't need Holy Spirit in heaven. Think about it. Because Holy Spirit is like the power aspect of God. You know, Jesus didn't do anything until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, he wasn't sitting as a, a five-year-old around the table turning water into wine. He wasn't walking to school and Johnny came on crutches and laid hands on him and he got healed. None of that happened. You know, he wasn't sitting in the carpenter shop as a teenager and, and dad hits his thumb and it swells up and he walks over to Joe and, oh, let me pray for that, dad. Yep, no worries, you're healed in Jesus' name. He didn't do any of that because he didn't have baptism in the Holy Spirit. He could only do these miracles when he'd been connected to the river of God. Connected to Holy Spirit coming from the throne. Holy Spirit has a purpose. He's not just there to get you into heaven. He is there to transform your life and to bring healing and release. To help you get rid of all those things that you're holding on to, that have damaged you, that have hurt you throughout life. He says, get into me. Get into my river and you will be healed. Sometimes it takes a while to wash through us. You know, you get that really dirty container, and um, you know, I, I got a coffee machine at home, and you know, occasionally coffee gets caught in all the, the under bits and the grinding, and you take them out and you start to wash them out. And, and it, you know, it's amazing how it sits there, and you know, because I try and do it at least once a week more often. But you know, when I take out that the sort of tray and I start to wash it, it smells. Maybe this smell suddenly comes out of, you know, stale coffee and so on. And you wash it, and you've got to get into all those cracks. It doesn't just flow away. You've got to really get the water in there and, you know, get into all the bits where the, the coffee gets caught and the water's been sitting. It's the same with Holy Spirit. He's got to get into all our bits. 
wash away the bits that are stale, that stink. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. But the more you get into Holy Spirit, the more he gets into you. The better your temple is. You awesome looking temples here. Verse 9. And it will be, shall be, that every living thing that moves where the rivers go will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will live where the river goes. Suddenly these, these water bodies that didn't have a lot of life and a lot of hope suddenly had life and hope as, as this river that came from the temple reached them. It's the same as the river comes from the, the temple of God into your temple, it brings life and hope. It brings revelation and fresh vision. It takes the despair and the hopelessness and gives you a sense of worth, a sense of purpose, a sense of potential, a sense of what God has for you. And when you struggle against life and you struggle against the difficulties, you have this power that flows in and it washes away the old and brings in the new. And you get fresh revelation and fresh ideas, fresh perspective. Now like verse 10, it should be the fishermen will stand by it from these different places. And there will be places for spreading the nets and the fish will be the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. When you get into Holy Spirit, he brings abundance. He brings life that brings abundance. You know, the water, these, you know, the, the fish are flowing down with the river into these water bodies. And these water bodies are being cleansed from their staleness. And life is coming into them. And then an abundance of fish, exceedingly many, it says. Don't you love God? He brings exceedingly many into your life. That's his purpose. He wants to make you exceedingly abundant. He wants to give you exceedingly abundant ideas. He wants to give you exceedingly hope. He wants to bring healing and revelation. He wants to bring creative ideas into your life. And most people go, oh, you know, that's not me. I'm not a creative person. Well, it's about time you started being. Because inside you is a creative God. And he doesn't think small. He thinks exceedingly abundant. And you know what? He doesn't care about your circumstances. He doesn't care where you are in life. He cares about where you're going. He cares about what he wants to do for you. And it doesn't matter what happened before this point. You know, if you were the, if you were the great sea, and you know, it was blocked up, and it was stuffed up, and there was algae, you know, like this one river, you know, and it's just, you know, there's a mess, and there's algae blooms, and the fish are all dying, and it's all just really depressing and sad. But then this mighty river comes in, and it pushes away everything that happened before. And suddenly, you know, the water is fresh, 
and the fish are abundant, and there's food for the fish, and you know, it's great to swim in, and all this sort of stuff. It doesn't matter what happened before, does it? Because the moment that fresh water flows in and blows away the old, it, that old can no longer return. It's been pushed away. That's how God works. It doesn't matter what happened before. When you get Holy Spirit flowing into your life, he starts to push away the old and in comes the new. It doesn't matter if there was sickness before. When he pushes it away, it's gone. It doesn't matter if you were depressed and feeling hopeless. When he pushes into your life, it's gone. I get amazed by Christians who keep trying to grab it back. I want that comfortable old depression. Give me that lovely old sickness because I know how it works. That's me, yes, yes. No, it's not you. You are a temple of the almighty God. You good looking thing, you. God don't make ugly. God doesn't make poor. God doesn't lack. You know, the Bible says that you are a co-heir with Christ. That means that Jesus, you. Jesus, you. Jesus, you. Whatever level Jesus is at is the level you're at. And we go, oh, no, I'm just a lowly worm, you know, humble myself in the garden. Well, that's not where Jesus is. He got up from the garden. He's seated in heavenly places. And you know what Paul says? So are you. Where did we get the idea that it was okay to be poor and broke and hopeless? That it was spiritual to be depressed and down? Where did that come from? I mean, that's got to be from the pit of hell, right? Because God is a good God who gives us a mighty river that washes out the old. Verse 12. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves won't wither and their fruit will not fail. Your fruit can't fail. They will bear fruit every month. Why? Because the water flows from the sanctuary. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. God will make you fruitful. Not just once a year, not seasonal, every month. So that means every month we should be producing some awesome fruit. What does that fruit look like? That's between you and God. He just says, by their fruits you'll know them. You know, we go through this cycle of, oh, I don't know anything. You know, I remember this guy in Sydney who, he'd lost his job, so he was unemployed, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have anything really. And he said to God, okay, God, I need a creative idea. 
can't get a job, I've lost my job, I had, nothing's really going for me, things aren't great, you know, I really need some help. And God, God his creative idea, and God gave him the idea of those little plastic clips that you stick on the end of bread. Seriously, he gave him the idea of those little plastic clips that you stick on the end of bread. And so he invented the little plastic clip. Anyone here think they could have invented the little plastic clip? Come on, anybody could have made a little plastic clip, right? I mean, if you've got scissors with a bit of plastic and cut out the little plastic clip, there's not much to it, really, is there? But God showed him how he can use a little plastic clip, and he could sell it to Tip Top Bakery and everyone else, and they could make these little plastic clips and stick them on the bread, and they pay him something like 0.1 of a cent for every little plastic clip that's made all around the world. And these little plastic clips just keep turning out, and he doesn't do anything except collect the money from his little plastic clips. He doesn't even make them. He just owns the right to them. Don't you wish you'd thought of that? You know what? God's got a whole lot of my little plastic clip ideas flowing in his river. We just need to get into the river and allow him to release that. We need to believe and expect that he will give us little plastic clip ideas. Because I don't think that everything that's ever been going to be invented has been invented. In fact, more has been invented in probably the last 40 years than the previous thousand years. And there's trillions of dollars floating around the world. And all these creative ideas out there. You just need to tap into God. And he'll show you what it is. He'll show you how to do it. God has a plan to bless you, to be fruitful. Whatever what it means for you. Because fruitful means different things for different people. But God wired you for a purpose. To be fruitful. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to write a book on healing, and I sort of got about two and a half chapters in, and, and I keep getting stuck on it, and I keep getting stuck on it, and, and I'm going, oh, and sit down to write, and you know, someone said to me once, if you don't want to write, you should write blah, 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 and it'll come to you. I sat there writing blah, 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 after a few blah, blahs, I gave up. <laughs> and then Dale said to me, you know, I really liked the healing sermon you preached a couple of weeks ago. She said, why don't you just write that? Boo. <laughs> so I'm going to write that. See, that's just God's creative ideas. God always has a way. What's this got to do with connection and connect groups and church and everything else. Absolutely everything. You know, I watch people who, who try and, and get God in their life and they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, so God should bless me. But they never ever get into the river of God. Because you see, the river of God has banks. 
And those banks determine where that river will flow. And what's really interesting is people try and get on the other side of the bank and draw from the river. And you can't do that. In fact, he says in verse 11, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed, they will be given over to salt. What's a swamp and a marsh? A swamp and a marsh tries to draw the water, not straight from the river, but up through the ground. A swamp and a marsh tries to, it tries to get the water that soaks into the ground. I mean, you know, down where we live, it's, you know, I mean, this whole region, it's swamp and marshland. And they have to put massive amounts of fill on top, you know, all these bits of sand and more sand and more sand to try and make it so that you can actually build something on the ground. Because it's all swamp and marsh. Where does the swamp and marsh come from? It's just drawing water up from the ground as the water table rises. In fact, Spearwood used to be beautiful, lush tree land. And they came in and they farmed the area and they cleared all the trees and what happened? The water rose and it became swamp and marshland. Before that, the water table was a great high for market gardens. But when they cleared all the trees, water table rose and it became useless. They couldn't use it for market gardening anymore. Don't be a swamp or a marsh that doesn't get into the main river, but tries to sit on the side and tries to pull from outside. You can't do that. God's an all or nothing type of guy. You either get into the mainstream or you miss out. You gotta go, I'm all for God or not. In fact, he says in Revelation, if you do that, try and sit on the fence thing, or sit on the other side of the bank thing, he says, what you are really is lukewarm and I spit you out. Boom, gone. He said, I'd rather you be cold so you know you're not in the river or be so hot because you're in the river. There's no middle ground. You can't sit on the side of the river and go, oh, that's nice. You gotta have the river flowing into your life. You've got to dig a tributary into that river and let it flow into you. You've got to connect to the main source. God doesn't have grandchildren or cousins or uncles and aunts. He only has the main line in the family. He has sons and daughters. You've got to get into the main river or you become this dried up salt pan. Hard and useless. So how do you do that? Well, if you think of the river, it's got two banks. And God showed me these banks and he says, one side of the bank, he says, is like your Sunday service. The other bank is connect. And the river flows through the middle of them. And when you're, when you're inside the church, on a Sunday, the river of God flowing into your life. And when you're in your connect group during the week, 
The river of God's flowing into your life. But when you get outside of these things, you are outside of God's plan and purpose. He says, don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because we need the river flowing into us. You know, we, we go camping and to change illustrations, you go camping and you used to take youth camping when I was a youth worker a few years ago. You know, I know I'm too young to be a youth worker, but you know. And you'd be out there in the middle of the bush and, and there'd always be that person who's never really been camping before. And you'd have the bonfire going, everyone thinks it's fantastic, you know, and you're hoping that you're actually within season when you do it. <laughs> and if you're not, you hope you're far enough away that no one can see it. We have to edit that out of the recording. <laughs> and, you know, the fire starts to die down late in the evening and it's all good and everyone's starting to get sleepy head off and, and there's always that person who has never been camping who thinks it's just really cool to chuck another great big log on the fire. And that log starts to burn. And you go, it's going to take like four hours to burn. I'm not going to sit here for four hours and wait for this stupid thing to burn. So you take that log and you get it off the fire. And a funny thing happens when you pull the log away from the rest of the fire. It starts to cool off. It starts to die down. And then it's just sort of smoking And eventually, it's cold. And that's us. We're meant to be in the fire of each other. We're meant to be rubbing up against each other. We're meant to be drawing from each other. Because I reckon that river that flows must be a pretty hot river. But when you get out of being in there, You can stay warm for a while. Some people can be warm for a day, maybe two days. After a week, maybe just a little bit of smoke coming off. So you're still partly smoking hot. But eventually you're not smoking hot anymore. You're cold. We're meant to be connected. And then they go, you know, where's God? And, and, you know, they're hanging out with God. And then it's, it's really those things that, you know, he talks about in Deuteronomy. He says, you know, when you've built your houses and you've got your marriages and, you know, your boat's parked in the drive and you've got your nice car and your kids and you know, everything's going great and everything's going fine, he says, you're going to forget me. God said to the Israelites, you're going to forget me. And I went, no, 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 it's all right. He says, you've got to forget me. And I see it time and time again. People come and they, they ring up and can you come around? And you sit and talk with them and they're upset because their husband, their wife, their kids or whatever's happening. And so you pray with them and you, you know, they start reading the Bible again. They start pushing into God and they're in church and they sort of come along to connect. And, and then things start going really well. And suddenly they're no longer turning up to connect. And then they're missing Sunday mornings. And they're no longer reading their Bible. And they start to go cold again because everything's good. And you know what happens? It all goes bad again. And of course, that is the point they go, I am really stupid because I've disconnected from God. No, it's not what they say. You know what they say? God, why did you do this to me? 
Well, duh, you take the log off the fire, it's going to stop burning. You cut the water off to the river and you're going to become a swamp. There's no easy way around it. God knew what he said when he said, do not neglect meeting together. In Acts it says, they worshipped in the temple on the weekend and during the meet they met house to house daily. Daily they were eating together. Daily they were praying together. Daily they were talking about God's word together. And we're struggling with a couple of times a week. And we wonder why the fire goes cold, why the river doesn't flow. We should be in church on a Sunday morning. And before we get to church, we should be up praying for church in our city. We should be rocking into our connect group every week. This is where I belong. Praying for each other. Because that's like mini church. And then on top of that, we should be ringing people up and say, come and have a meal with me. Let's pray together. Come and have a meal with me. Let's talk about God. Oh, now you're getting very spiritual and religious. I'm getting spiritual, but I ain't getting religious. The Christian life is not a playground, to quote Steve Furtick. It's a battleground. But we want it to be all playful and we want the abundant blessing and, and the fish and the ideas and the, the nice feeling and the healings and everything to be wonderful. We want all of that, but we want to do it while we sit on the side of the bank. We want it our way. We want our temple to be both for God and for us. You can't do that. Because you know what? When you start to shut off that flow, and you start to shut off that flow, and you start to shut off that flow, just bit by bit by bit, and eventually it doesn't flow in. And you don't notice at first because you're sitting in the swamp of water. But then it starts to stink. Life starts to stink. You start to stink. And your world around you starts to stink. And you're going, this isn't good. Why is my spouse getting upset with me? Why are my parents getting upset with me? Why are my kids getting upset with me? Why am I having troubles at work? Why can't I pay my bills? God, get me out of this situation. And you know what he says to you? Get back in the river. Get back in the river. Because it's in the river that the life flows. But to get back in the river, you've got to let go of yourself. You know, when you jump into the river, you go down, the old washes away. And you come back up, a new creation in Christ. Stop swimming after the old, let it go. Just let it go.
It really isn't worth it and it stinks. And embrace the life in God. Be a person that reads his word. Be a person that prays every day. Discipline yourself to be in the river of God and let his abundance flow into you. Don't get your toes wet. Get your head wet. You know, it's funny we talk about that, sitting on the side and dangling our toes. But our battle is not, against, not in our toes. We're not transformed by the renewing of our toes. You're not even transformed by the renewing of your knees. It's not transformed by the renewing of your belly. Although some of us could do with belly transformations. <laughs> you know what? You're not even transformed by the renewing of your nose. It's your mind. It's at the top of your head. You've got to get right into the river. That's what brings transformation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a transforming, awesome God. That you've given us your Holy Spirit life to flow into us, to, to cleanse us, to purify us, to make us like Jesus. Lord, that through that comes your abundant life and your blessing. But Lord, we look at our lives and so often we fall short of what your best is for us. Father, forgive us. Forgive us where we've fallen short, where we've put ourselves, we've grabbed our old flesh and and put aside you. We've blocked off your flow into our lives. Forgive us. I pray, Lord, you'll open heaven into each one of our lives. Lord, even right now, and open heaven into your lives, your Holy Spirit poured into us. Let that hunger rise afresh to be readers of your word and doers. Let the hunger rise afresh to be prayers and seekers of your face. That hunger to be in your house, to be meeting with your people. Lord, that we may be blessed to be a blessing, that others may know your life. In Jesus' name, amen.